it is Communion Sunday, right? And so um, even all of the songs today, we're talking about the cross and the forgiveness and the, uh, the salvation that is offered because of the cross. And um, man, I'm just thankful for that. So Allison, Emma, Mary, thank you so much. Worship band, Matt, thank you guys for leading us in that this morning. Um, before we get into the message, last night, uh, well, this weekend, you know, we're at the men's retreat. By the way, next week we will have a video presentation that we'll get so you can see what happened at the men's retreat. Um, and these guys, they're a hoot. We had a great time just worshiping God, goofing off, and uh, hearing the word this weekend. So, um, but last night, um, I got home, and, you know, it was a great weekend. We had fun. We laughed. We, you know, prayed together, all these type of things. But when I got home last night, I was frustrated, and I had no idea why. You ever been there before? Part of the reason could be because we were, you know, up late, uh, weren't sleeping in our own beds, and, uh, you know, sometimes, like the commercial says, you just need a Snickers. I probably needed a Snickers and a nap, and I would have been fine. Actually, I think it was much deeper than that. I was just really, really frustrated, and um, I, I, I began to realize that it wasn't because of circumstances but it was something spiritual that was going on. And um, so I shared this first service, and I felt it was appropriate to share this service too. Um, so this morning, first of all, I thought it was just about me. God was working something. There was, a re, there was just an attack maybe to distract me from the message today, from delivering the gospel, you know, preaching a sermon, all these things. So I thought it was just the enemy trying to make me frustrated by offering my frustration but this morning it was made a little more clear that it really, I don't think it was about me. I don't think it was for me. I don't know if you'll find this anywhere in Scripture except for it says, bear one another's burdens. I almost feel that the Lord was allowing me to experience a frustration for maybe some of you today, that there would be some folks coming in that you were just living in a constant state of frustration and you were sick of it. You were frustrated for being frustrated for so long. You know, kind of like you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, and so that became a little more clear this morning that the frustration really had nothing to do with a spiritual attack on me or, or any, although it could have, but maybe you were feeling that this morning and you are done with it. You're to the point now where you are done with it. What we learned this weekend was this that God still works miracles today. And in an instant, he can take care of a situation that you may be going through where you're experiencing frustration. And maybe this word is for someone today, I don't know, but it could have been just for first service. But I feel that at some point during this service today, if it hasn't already happened, that that frustration that you're experiencing, that you're experiencing is going to be broken by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, he... The shed blood that Matt just talked about was for our salvation, but the bread that we take, that was, that was uh, for his body that was broken. And that was to bring us healing and wholeness in those areas. So believe today that that is going to be broken. And I just believe that's a prophetic word for someone. Um, again, it could be first service, could be second service. Um, and I also feel this. <clears throat> that frustration could be because of unrepentant sin as well. That, that could happen. That could be for believers. That could also believe may, be maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, and he's saying, now is the time. The reason that you're feeling frustration is because you're sick of living life without Jesus, and you know, I'm looking at mainly people who've been to church a whole lot. I don't, matter of fact, 
don't think there's any visitors for the first time here today. But you're just like, you know what, today's the day I need to turn my life over to God. Or maybe you've been in the church for 50 years, maybe not this one because I don't know this been around quite that long. Well, yeah, it has been, but um, for, for a long time, but I need to turn my life over to Jesus today. Maybe that, am I speaking to anybody today? You know, today's the day of salvation. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God's son who died upon the cross, who rose again for your salvation, the Bible says you will be saved. Amen. Amen. If you're sick of frustration, you know what? we'll continue to give it to Jesus. So that's just something I was experiencing yesterday. And I'll tell you, it didn't break until first service this morning. And I wasn't frustrated with anybody or anything. It was just, again, it was just frustration. Prayed in the Spirit last night before I went to bed. I was in the shower this morning thinking, I've got to preach. Lord, you just, just break this. And, it, and that's when it broke. So that's why I believe it was for, for someone here today. So receive that. If that's you, will you let me know after service? Or you can talk with Matt and Jen. They're going to be praying with folks uh, after the service today. And so, um, yeah, just come up and talk to them. And let them know that God did a miracle in you today. Praise God for that. Well, this is the last in our series of God's Remedies for Wholeness. This is the last week. Um, I had intended on starting a couple-week thing about giving and, and, and tithe and money, really, um, which, I, you know, think of the last time I did that. There's reasons that we don't like to talk about money in church, but Jesus talked about money more than anybody who you read through the, the New Testament. So that's going to come probably beginning in May. Um, but next week, we are getting ready for Easter already. Can you believe that? I mean, some of the pretty yellow flowers have already started blooming. Some of the uh, trees have already started putting out the white flowers as you drive around town, and it's all exciting. And uh, so we're going to start our Easter series next week. It's a six-week-long series that we'll be starting. Uh, in the middle of that, Matt and Jen will be um, having our fifth Sunday. When we have five Sundays in one month, we dedicate that to our kids, our youth ministry. They come in, they lead the service, they'll do a special song or whatever. And traditionally, it has been mainly the children, the youth have been involved. But uh, the end of this month is going to be specifically youth. We're going to see what's been going on with our youth program. Man, there's been a lot of prayer going on, right, Matt and Jen? And church family, you guys have been praying. And uh, of course, you know that they have moved from our office building back to the fellowship hall just because of growing numerically and, of course, spiritually as well. So we're going to get to hear what's going on with you. They're going to lead our worship, as a matter of fact. It's, they started a worship band. Uh, Luke's been leading that. Nathan's been playing the drums. Hannah's been singing. And so uh, the last Sunday of this month, they'll be leading all of that. Looking forward to it. So that comes right in the middle of our Easter series, and then by the, the third week in April, it will be Easter. That's just awesome, isn't it? Don't forget to turn your clocks back Saturday night, or forward, don't turn them back, forward. We spring forward uh, on Saturday night, so uh, that's, that's coming up. Well, again, we're talking about God's remedies for wholeness. We have been taking this year, and will continue to take this year, to not only see how God brings us into wholeness, but it's from a place of brokenness, and indeed, we over that past couple weeks is from a, from a place of brokenness. He's bringing us to be whole people. And uh, I don't know that we'll be there by the end of the year. I don't know that we'll be 100% whole by the end of the year, but we're going to allow the Holy Spirit work in us. And this is, 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So that tells me that God's going to be working wholeness in my life until the day I die or he comes back for his church. So, uh, but we're just seeing some, some principles in here. Today what we want to talk about is how right words can help bring wholeness. We've, we've said how cuts and bruises can bring wholeness to you along the way. We've also last week talked about how friends, the right friends, can help bring wholeness to you. Well, today, right words can help bring wholeness. So our memory verse, it's an easy one this week too. So will you say this with me out of Proverbs 18, 21? It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Right? You've seen it, you've experienced it, and it's true. The tongue can bring death or life. The words that you speak can bring death in a situation or life in a situation. It can offer hope or it can offer, what's the opposite of hope? Non-hope. Despair, thank you. Non-hope, I guess, could be a word, but despair, it can bring any of those. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt really bad about something that you said? It just slipped out. You know, I mean, it it was somewhere in your heart. It had to be. Uh, But there's also those times where you make a mistake. For example, these cool little tools right here. um, Man, autocorrect is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Um, I just had, I can't really tell this full story, but back when we were buying our house, um, I was, you know, obviously we were texting back and forth with Rhonda a whole lot and um, yeah, I can't tell the story, but there, there was a, a word that I had typed in and it autocorrect and I'm driving, you know, when you drive, you, I do voice, I, I, I talk because I don't want to take my eyes off the road. Please do not text and drive. This is, do not text and drive, but you can verbally do some commands and your phone will respond to you. And so I, I went ahead and I put it in there, but I did not send it at that moment. I wanted to be able to get to a place where I could stop and then I could send it. Now, I don't always do that, but something just made me stop. And I am so glad because it autocorrected to a horrible, horrible word that should never be mentioned, especially in church. So um, Rhonda did not get that particular text. It was corrected by the time it got to her. Whether it's intentional or not intentional, we can speak things that just, we don't read the bubble. You know, we, have, we can proofread our text and emails before, they, before we send them, but sometimes we forget to read that bubble. This is your thought, and this is the words that you're going to speak, but we, we don't want to read that. I just need to tell Luke how I feel. I'm just going to, I'm not going to read the bubble. He just needs to know what I think of him today. We don't read that bubble. So, Feel really bad because of something that you said, it just slipped out, or it, a text that, or email that I wish I would not have sent, even though I did proofread it. The reason for the latter part of that, where we send stuff that we know <laughs> what we're sending, um, but we choose to speak death instead of life anyway, emotions can control those moments. We need to be people who are led by the Spirit of God, right? Uh, spirit, soul, and body. Emotions fall in that soul realm, but spirit, soul, and body. Emotions can control the moment. Um, or you discover that sometimes you say something right, even with the right heart behind it. But if it's a text message or if it's an email, it can be misinterpreted. Have you ever done that? Whether somebody misinterprets your words or you misinterpret what somebody, you see the attitude behind it and they're shaking their head as they're doing the email. And you just know they're shaking their head when they write the email. But then you talk to that person and you're like, oh, so that's, you didn't really mean it that way. No, absolutely not. Words can be misinterpreted. Words can come out at the wrong time. 
Words can bring life or they can bring death. Words can hurt, but words can also heal. Now, I'm going to have you turn to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read a couple of verses before we get there. You can write these verses down so you can check me to make sure they're right. But uh, go ahead and turn to Luke 15. We'll be there in a few moments. But I want to talk about how words hurt, but they can also heal. Proverbs 24, 26 says this, An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Now, I don't want you to interpret this through Western thinking and how we see kissing today and all of those uh, type of things. The idea of the kiss of friendship isn't the way we think of it in our American culture. Kisses back at this particular time, uh, especially in the Middle Eastern culture and even some other cultures today, that was, that's a way of greeting people. You know, you kiss people on the cheeks. Here in America, that's a little awkward. You know, you go up and, and even guys will do that. You kiss a guy on the cheek today in our culture, you'll get punched. Just try it with Jamie before you leave today. Um, just right, Jamie. <laughs> Somebody comes up and kisses you on the cheek and it's not your wife. They're going to probably get punched, you know. <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> He said his wife might be the one that does it. <laughs> but I want to look at this in, in the, the pro appropriate cultural uh, type of greeting. Um, that's how people greet each Today, what do we do? We shake hands. We may give an embrace and a hug. You know, Mo's my dog down here, so we... Please don't do this. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kiss you, I just hugged you, just for anybody who's listening. Yeah. We always mess with Mo because since he's moved down, we've you know, adopted him, and he's now our oldest son, and I tell him he's first in line. First sons are first in line for inheritance, so um, nothing of nothing is nothing. But anyway, he's still first in line for inheritance, and Nathan's not too happy about that. The New King James Version says, he who gives a right answer kisses the lips, all right? It's still this idea of embrace. It's still this idea of acceptance and of welcoming that we're talking about. I want you, as we're going through this, to think about the acceptance that our words and answers can bring to people. In other words, relationship is offered. Just as in this culture, the kiss the, it was like an embrace, it was that acceptance. That's our words. That's what David was talking about when he wrote, uh, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. It's that welcoming, that embrace uh, that they were talking about. <clears throat> Today, words can be cheap, can't they? Um, this, here's an example, the word love, we kind of toss that out like it's, it's just anything. I love, I love my black Western boots. They're just, they're comfortable and I love them. Uh, we went shooting this weekend and, um, I got to borrow blue shotgun and I, it was hor not the shotgun. The, the shooter was horrible, but I love the shotgun. Well, let's compare the word love there to this. I love Jesus or I love my wife. You see, words can be cheap. I don't mean I love the boots the way I love my wife, because I love my wife. I really love Jesus. So words can even be cheap, can't they? Just as, as we tend to use them at times. I want us to get a clear understanding today when we're talking about how right words can bring wholeness, how right words can bring uh, healing. God wants us to be in tune with His Holy Spirit so that we can bring those right words for wholeness and healing. And it's not just cheap words. God began the worlds with words, not actions. 
If you'll remember in Genesis 1, it talks about how God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3 in Genesis 1 said this, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So we even see with God's word, he was establishing the power of words at that moment. Now, let me make this clear too. God's words create, even out of nothing. God's words create. I cannot, with my words, create something out of nothing. I told first service this. Now we're getting closer to lunchtime. But, you know, pollo con crema from Tequila's Mexican restaurant right up here. That is my go-to meal. I could eat that every day, every meal, and be happy. I cannot say, may a plate of pollo con crema with the hot salsa be delivered in my hands on a plate at this moment, and it appears. Can't do that, can we? We, we? we just can't do that. But we can speak life. We can speak acceptance with our words, or we can destroy with our words. So in that sense, God was showing the importance of words. His words create. So let's look at our words for a moment why we want to see the importance of this um, and, and how we use our words. First of all, we must steward our words. We must steward our words well. The things that we say, not only to other people, but the things that we even say to ourselves, we can be tough on ourselves. <clears throat> As your pastor, stop that. Don't be so tough on yourself. I'm saying that to me too. I can be tough on myself. David, stop that. But with our words, man, we can, we can really hurt people. We, we truly can. Um, we can even hurt ourselves in this sense. I want you to pay attention this week how many negative words. I want you to be conscious of this. How many negative words you speak this week. Will you pray, just, just real quick, Holy Spirit, this week, will you convict me when I'm speaking negativity? towards myself, towards people, or towards your future for me or your purpose for me. I also want you to be aware of the times that you're being godly with your words. You're speaking positive with your words. Now, we're not talking about the power of positive confession and all of these things. People who don't know Jesus can speak positive things. Anybody can be positive, right? We're talking about the words that God gives us to encourage people. We must steward our words and choose our words wisely. And here's what you're going to discover as you begin to examine your words this week, okay? Matthew 12, just write this down. You don't have to turn there because we'll be in Luke in just a moment. Matthew 12, verse 35 through 37. Matthew 12, 35 through 37 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you and condemn you. Now, I don't want this particular scripture to be a condemning scripture towards you. Can it be convicting? Yes, where it causes you to want to change. When my words become more negative than they are positive and speaking the things of God, I really do need to do a heart check in those moments and find out what am I putting into my heart in these moments because this says good things from the treasury of a good heart, evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So what are my words producing? What are my words saying? 
And if necessary, God, will you change my heart this week? Will you what are the things that I'm putting in to my heart? And this is off the message, and please don't hear me as an old guy getting on you know, his soapbox about things. Be careful to the music you listen to, the TV shows that you watch, the things that you surround you with, because that can fill you up with um, all kind, yeah, junk, all kinds of junk. When my boys were real little, I was going to become dad of the year. And every boy needs to experience the Dukes of Hazard. What? I was going to be dad of the year, Nathan said. It didn't, didn't work, apparently. But every boy needs to experience the Dukes of Hazard. So we, man, I find it on Netflix or whatever it was on, and we start watching this. And Stasha, uh, were they in preschool or school? Preschool at the time. And my kids, all of a sudden, they, they start fighting. Like, not mean fighting, but, you know, just, just fighting and kicking and things like that. Well, if you've ever watched Bo and Luke Duke, what do they do? They fight people. And so dad of the year here was putting something in their hearts that it was fun and cool. And you could be John Schneider if you just went around kicking people, right? Now, not every kid reacts that way. Mine did. <laughs> Stasha discovered that's what it was. And she said, you know what? You're going to have to, they're going to have to get a little bit older because they're not able to process what they're seeing and what's acceptable behavior. So much to my chagrin and my dismay, we had to stop watching the Dukes of Hazard. You know what? Their behavior changed. So that's the reason that I say that, okay? Just watch what you're putting into your heart, even, even with your kids. If Parents, if you're not getting the things out of your kids that you're hoping for, the behaviors that they're displaying is not what you're wanting, examine what they're watching. Examine what, yeah, music, all these type of things. Okay, let's get back to the point here. That was free. That was side note. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring life, death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences of that. Your words have consequences as well. So again, look at, am I producing treasuries of a good heart or am I producing treasure of an evil heart? And, and just be aware of that. We must steward our words. Well, let's get to the text that I was telling you about. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11 and we're going to go through verse 19. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, just a few moments ago, I said that Mo has been adopted to the family. You can't get your inheritance early, okay? Just because you'll see why here in just a moment. But that's what this kid was wanting. He was wanting his, um, his, his inheritance. So verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of the money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields and feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, I want you to look at this guy's words, okay? This is what we want to focus on. There's going to be a turning point. He said this, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. 
I will go home to my father and I will say. So now he's talking and he's preparing what he's going to say and it's about to change his life, okay? I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer of being worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. This young man made a decision to change and to return home. He had squandered his living. He had squandered all the inheritance that uh, his father had given to him. And he was at a very low point. Now, what you see in here is this young man could not change his destination overnight, but he did change his direction overnight. He's still in the slop with all the pigs, taking care of them. But he made a decision that from this point forward, in the midst of this muck and smelly pig pen, I'm going to change my direction. So just picture you're in the middle of this pig pen. You're not at home where the luxuries of home are, right? Because it's over here. But by his words... He changed direction and said, I'm setting a course for home. I'm setting a course for my father's house. He made the decision. You may be in a very bad place right now and hope seems lost in your situation. You may know people who are in this particular place. But Wayne Cordero says this, it's up on the board. You may not be able to change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction in a moment, just like this young man did. All the, inher- all the money that he had was gone, and here he is in a place, and it's not good. He can't get home just like that. He's got to walk there. there there's, there's a way to go that he has to get there. But he did change the direction. Wherever you are today, if it's in the middle of a bad place, change your direction and begin to walk toward the Father. That's what this story is showing to us. Never despise anything that brings you home to God. See, the sloppy pig pen turned this young man around. It was a sloppy pig pen that turned him around. So never despise anything that brings you home to God. I don't know what your past was. Some of you, I do know what your past was. You've you've told me your past. And some of them were pretty messy. Don't despise those moments. Instead, be thankful for them. Because not that God put you in those moments, but... God used those moments to turn you to Him. Be thankful for that. Confess sin before the Lord and change direction. We see in verse 20, if we can, as we continue this story, it says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and here's the word again, he kissed him. going to open this up here in just a few more minutes, this whole idea. But what I want you to see out of this is your heavenly Father sees you even when you are far away. You may be in your particular pig pen, or your friends may be in their particular pig pen, and God sees them. Think back to that for a moment. Maybe you're not in this place today, but you were. Think back to that for a moment. Isn't it good that God rescued you? That He gave you the ability to say, God, I have sinned against you. Today, I'm going to return home to you. Thank God for that. Your father sees you when you are far away. So we have to steward our words, just like this young man did. He stewarded, he 
finally made a decision to do things right, and the words that he spoke set him on that right direction. Secondly, right words can restore your future. It can restore the plan that God has for you. What do we mean by that? Well, let's pick up in verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I love New Living Translation. So the party began. While his son was repeating this rehearsed repentance, because remember, he, he, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell Dad, Dad, you know what? I'm so sorry, Dad. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. He'd rehearsed this. Probably his whole way back home, he was thinking through how he was going to repent before his father, and he had this long spiel. He didn't get through probably half of it. His dad interrupted him. And he offered restoration. There's a whole other study that we may do at some other point, but it talks about the ring for the finger, the sandals for the feet, the robe, um, uh, slaughtering the calf for, for the feast and everything. But that was all about restoring him to the family. You know, the ring basically gave him buying power once again. Wait a minute, I thought he had given or he had received all of his portion of the money. Well, he had. But his God, his father was restoring him, just like you. Father, he has restored us. And he wants to continue to do that when we need that. The Heavenly Father has open arms to welcome home those who are returning from wasteful living. Let me bring this out too, just for a moment. You may know people in your family, or maybe good friends, or they were good friends of yours at one point. And they just frustrate you, you know. I have family like that. They just frustrate me because I know that their life could be so much better if they would just do that. We all we we have that. I've got to remind myself that as angry as I am with those people, I say those people, God has open arms that are ready to welcome them when they make that decision. Don't give up on praying for your friends and family who are in the middle of wasteful living. Because at one point, let's be real, we were there. We were wasting our lives. But the Father had open arms. Right words can restore futures, and that's what the Father was doing. Go get him a robe, go get him a ring, go get him sandals, let's have a party. He was restoring the future of this young man who was his son. Thirdly, right words can reestablish value. Let's go back to the opening verse. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. The New King James Version says a right answer is like a kiss on the lips. In the story of the prodigal son, the father saw his son returning, ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. That was verse 20. That's what he did. He loved, man, he was so happy to see his son there's something about an embrace that offers acceptance and value. Think about that for a moment. It offers value and it offers acceptance when you have a friend or a family member or a spouse or a child, you know, and, and you go up and you give them this great big hug. You give them a kiss if it's your spouse or kids. Um, and there's just value that's established there. You know, there's all kinds of studies about kids who receive love and affection. Um, that, 
Mr. Stowe, um, I, I, this didn't come up in first service, but I can remember hearing Mr. Stowe talking about his uh, three girls. You correct me if I'm wrong. But society says, dads, don't touch your girls, you know, because you'll go to jail and all these things. Of course, we're talking appropriately, right? But you didn't have any issues with that, did you? You loved them and you encouraged, that's you, right? You, you encouraged dads today. Dads, hug your daughters. Let them know the love of the father. Did I get that right? Parents, love on your kids. Love on them. Keep going down all these little rabbit trails, but they're good rabbit trails. There's something about an embrace that offers acceptance and value. I think about when I come home from work or from a retreat or whatever. You know, you go to your wife and kids, you give them a hug, you can feel the love that's there. When you go up to your kids and they say, please don't hug me, there's value and acceptance that's there. Do it anyway. <laughs> Think about this, parents. When you're telling your kids to apologize to each other, what do you make them do? Hug it out. Hug it out. You know, they may, they may do it out of spite. They may love you and punch each other as they're going in for the hug. Anybody else's kids do that? You know, they just punch, hug it out. It's that value that's there that we're wanting to establish within them. Your actions, your embrace, your kiss, your handshake, and your words reestablish value in the life of others. Choose your, why, your words wisely. You may not get away with hugging, especially kissing, in the workplace. But your words are like that. That's what your words are doing. Offering value. So Mo, next time I'll just say, I love you instead of hugging you and you'd be more comfortable. So, Marginally. <laughs> See, I think about this too. We hug appropriately here at Abundant Life. Now, I want to talk to introverts for a moment. Who are my introverts in the room? You're just like, yeah, introverts. And it creeps you out. <laughs> we had a discussion about that a couple of weeks ago. It was hilarious. It creeps you out when people come up to you and they're like, hi, it's so good to see you. So it does freak out some of the introverts. We have to be aware of that. But it's an action of value that's happening, right? So it is with our words. For most of us, we haven't seen each other all week. And if you had to work last week, we haven't seen you in two or three weeks. And value is being reestablished in that moment. Your words have the exact same ability to bring about healing and value and establishing future within people. People around you are starving for value and appropriate affection. Yes, even in the workplace. They're starving for that. They're just like, man, I just... Boy, today I need a hug. You ever come across people like that? I've done that with like total strangers. They find out I'm a pastor, and so after five minutes, they realize I'm not a creepy one. So um, let's be real. There are creepy ones out there. Um, and so you can just tell they're, I just need a hug. You know, okay, absolutely. That's a pro People need that. Miss Vicki was telling a story about up at the hospital. A man lost his uh, mother this week. And um, so she went up there and she was praying for them and was in the room when the mother passed. And the guy just needed a hug. That's all he needed. And it was very appropriate. 
There was value that was there. There was, you know what, maybe in a sense of that, I don't know, it was just an understanding that it's going to be okay. You know what else she was bringing in that moment? She was bringing the love of God. That's what you're taking. Your words can do the same thing, according to the scripture. How can I this week be a blessing with my words? First of all, start small. Proverbs 12, 25, worry weighs a person down. Amen. But an encouraging word cheers a person up. Start small. Cheer people up. When you're in the drive through line, your server at lunch today, you know, I do this and sometimes it does creep my kids out. But man, I'll just start a mini conversation with people. And I am an introvert. The way I draw strength, the way I draw rest is being alone. Man, you get me out in my yard and let me work. I just fill up with so much energy. Right, So I, I, even though I'm a pastor, you would think, oh, he's an extrovert. He loves, and I do love being around people, but I gain strength from being alone. But there's something that I have recognized by offering words to people that I can work through my introvertedness to say, hey, thanks for taking care of us today. Man, you're doing a great job with those tacos. Man, you did, you did a great job. Thank you for being here, especially if I go shopping on a holiday to get groceries. Or Thank you for being here today. Look, I know it's late. You'd rather be in bed. But, hey, thanks for being here today. I appreciate what you're doing for us. Just those words. So start small. It's not always a book that people read or a sermon that people hear. You know, you get to hear me speak for, what, 25, 30 minutes or something on Sunday like that. You don't have to do that. It's just a small word of, Hey, thanks for being here. I appreciate what you're doing. Those type of things. The people serving communion today rocked it, didn't they? Yeah, they were good. I thanked Clay and Sonny earlier. Man, you guys were just on it with the sound and the words came up at the right time. Man, you guys are awesome. Parents, when you go pick up your kids from elementary or from the nursery or whatever. Hey, thank you for taking care of our kids today. You guys are awesome. Because you know what? Sometimes people come in even to church and they've had a bad morning and they just need a little bit of value. Start small. Start small. Secondly, be intentional. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. The Bible says that, the God, that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Yes, that's for us, but you know what? You offer that to other people as well. So be very intentional. Parents, are you giving future and value to your kids? Do it tonight before their bedtime. Spouses, are you giving future and value to your spouse? Do it today when you get in the car. Honey, thank you for taking care of the kids while I was gone this week. Your hair sure looks pretty. It smells like flowers. Of course, Stasha doesn't like the flowery stuff. But anyway, whatever it is. I don't know. I did discover this weekend, I'm not really, this may come as a surprise, I'm not like one of those crazy romantic guys, you know, that I need to work on that. Anyway. Told you I loved you when we got married. If that ever changes, I'll let you know. No, I don't go that far. I don't go that far either. Friends, 
Are you giving future and value to your friends? Don't wait until it's too late. Do not wait until it's too late because you never know. Teachers, are you giving future and value to your students, whether it's here, whether it's outside of here? Because they do look up to you. Leaders, are you giving future and value to those following you? We must be aware of our words because we can tear down people or we can lift them up. And so, Lord, will you help us? Can we stand this morning? This week you have two assignments. It's like the teacher giving homework. Thanks a lot. It's not a holiday weekend, so it's not like you're having to do homework over a holiday. The first was to watch your words. How much negativity am I speaking versus positive? And what do I need to do to change my heart? Because it's coming from my heart. Um, the second is, is this. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you this week to establish value, not just between you and the other person, but between them and God. You, the Bible calls you, if you're a believer, the Bible calls you an ambassador for Christ. What are your words doing? Offer hope to people this week. Offer joy, offer love, offer encouragement to people this week. And if you know folks who are trapped in their pig pen, don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. Lord, will you help bring them out of their... Use me to maybe help bring them out of the pig pen. God wants to work the... And we're talking miraculous stuff here. He wants to work miraculously through you. You never know when your encouragement at the grocery store could save a marriage. Did I tell that this particular service there was one of the speakers this week said that he was at the grocery store and he asked the lady who was doing the checkout he said hey how's it going today and she said well I'm probably going to lose my husband this year we're going to get a divorce okay first of all you're thinking who does that at their job this lady was hurting that's who does that he said you know what I'm committing to pray for you and your husband this year. And he was getting ready to pray for her at that moment. Somebody walked up and she stepped back. So it wasn't the right time for her to do that, him to do that. But I think if he goes back into that grocery store, he's going to make an appropriate time for that to happen. Because that's our thing here. If you say, tell somebody you're going to pray for them, don't just tell them you're going to pray for them. Go ahead and do it. I think he's going to find time to do that. But she just, she backed up at that moment. But here's what I understand. Those words offered her hope at that moment. She was in her pit of, I'm about to lose my marriage. And here comes somebody offering hope. Do that this week. Amen? Amen. Well, Matt and Jen are going to come up and they're going to pray for us. And if you need prayer in any of those areas today, you need Jesus, first of all. You need salvation. Let them pray for you. Or you want them to agree with you for a family member or a friend who's in the middle of a pit. Or you find yourself in the middle of a pit. Let them pray for you and offer you words of hope and encouragement. So you accept that responsibility this week? A couple of you do? I'll start with a couple of you. I want us all to get there. And I know you're just like, let's just go eat. That's fine too. But Matt and Jen, will you come pray for us? Stasha and I love you. We'll see you at the back.